from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I talk into a microphone like I'm giving a TED talk, but I have no ma- degrees that can like I will be. Yes, you do have a degree. Well, I have a degree, <laughs> okay. but it's not. I in, paid for that degree. Yes, that's a good point. <laughs> I don't want to dismiss my uh, bachelor's in English from KU, but we should dismiss it because I got through on, based on Spark Notes for that whole uh, degree. But yeah, I just feel like I'm a comedian who is willing to be wrong and ha- and and apologize. So please don't punch me. I'm Sarah Fenske. Nikki Glaser was at the peak of her career in 2020. Well, we all know what happened next. So she decided to move back home to St. Louis for a bit and stay with her parents. Now, more than two years later, she's still here. And her experience returning to the Gateway City is being chronicled in a new reality show on the E! Network. Welcome Home, Nikki Glaser airs on Sundays at 10 p.m. Give it up for Nikki Glaser, everybody. I was well on my way to becoming one of the most successful female comics working today. And then the pandemic hit. So I moved back to my hometown of St. Louis. I never get recognized in this town. I'm Nikki Glaser. You're going to get canceled for this. I don't touch shit, I'm touching mulch. I'm able to spend time with my family. How did you ever survive this terrible childhood? I became a comedian. (laughs) Welcome Home Nikki Glazer documents Nikki reconnecting with old friends, hanging out with her parents, and hitting up some quintessential St. Louis places. Our producer Emily Woodbury sat down with Nikki Glazer and her dad EJ to talk about their experience working on the show. Nikki, EJ, welcome. Thanks for Thank having you. us. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming it's in. It's so fun to do press with my dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nikki, Nikki calls me a cast member. I never thought of myself as that. Yeah. You, you know, are I now. was wondering if I should call you a cast member. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, you've both been, you know, having cameras following you around for months. How did it feel to see the final product on Sunday, to see yourself on, on the big screen? It's exciting. It's very exciting. Uh, you know, we, we they 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 were the, you re, you kind of forget the cameras are on you after a while, so you really do be natural. You really act naturally, and uh, but then anything can happen in the editing room. So we were nervous about that, but uh, we, so far we've been delighted with how well it's it's been. We've yeah. only seen the first two episodes. I loved it. I you know I felt the same way about and you know I didn't really have a lot of control once all of the footage goes off. You know I can try to do my best and represent who I am in front of the cameras, but you just never know what they're going to do with, you know, they can, they can, I've worked on the other side of reality TV as a producer on F boy Island and um, as a host. And I've seen what, what can be done in the edit to do what you want to do. Not, you know, and, um, and so I was nervous, but that my overall feeling once I watched it the other night was like, it's this weird feeling I have that I've never had before of watching myself. When I usually watch my stand-up or myself on a talk show or anything like that, I usually just I can it's a it's a performative thing I'm watching. This felt like I was watching home videos in a way that <laughs> I was seeing myself like I view reality stars when I watch them at home. Like I was kind of rooting for her. I was um, like, oh, she's so sweet. Like she's just doing her best. And I think that as a you know self-hating comedian a lot of times it has you know issues with uh you know just self-esteem issues it actually made me like like myself more and think oh my gosh this girl is like 
she's adorable. She's trying her best. She's flawed, but like I, I like her. And it was, it's been a week of like liking myself more because I of the side of myself <laughs> I saw on TV. It was really bizarre. Yeah, that's fantastic. But rewarding. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I like you more now too. Oh, good. Yeah, you're getting a little. Some, I'm starting to love you. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, at least someone is. Well, EJ, were were you excited, or did it take some convincing? Yeah. Well, uh, we were. When Nikki told us about it, she said, "Hey, we're going to do a pilot," and we interviewed with a production company on Zoom during the pandemic, and they talked to us. And Nikki said, "Don't worry, it's not going to go anywhere. These things never do." So we did a pilot, and it was all fun and games. It was all fun and games until they called and said, "You have a show." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then it was like, "Wait a second, what do we sign up for here?" Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's it's something that's that's most of my career is agreeing to do things that I just don't think there's any way that it'll ever happen. And then it does happen. and I'm like, oh, no, I have to do this. And then you do it like that's people are always like you work so hard. And I'm like, I just agree to things that I don't think will actually ever happen. We all have that feeling of being like, I'd love to go to that party in four weeks. And then it arrives and you go, oh, God, I want to <laughs> go to this tonight. But when you said that you wanted to go, you did. So that's what I do with my career. I just like say yes to things that. I know that a future me should want, but it, I never do. <laughs> but if you saw the agreement we we had to sign with the production company, you would just you know it's so it was so onerous. I mean, they can basically do anything. Yeah, and, I mean, and they said, "Yeah, have your entertainment lawyers look at this." Like, yeah, I have an entertainment lawyer waiting yeah. in the wings. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so we just met the, with the production company. Nikki assured us, "Hey, they're not going to do anything to make us look too bad." So we just signed it and said, "Okay." Yeah, how, how many hours did you film? You know, it was a lot. I was on the road every single weekend. Um, I taped a HBO special that's coming out in July, but I taped that um, at the very like it was uh, right before Thanksgiving, and we taped right up until my special taping, which I would never have planned it that way. But when, you know, production goes into production, it's just like whatever's going on in your life, that's you you can't really fit it into your life. You kind of work around their schedule. So every time I was home Monday through Friday um, and I was gone every weekend, usually Friday through Sunday, I was filming all day. And I would start at probably 11 and go until six, seven, eight, nine sometimes. And, you know, you get breaks here and there. It was it was grueling because you know i wouldn't be people can say reality shows are fake and sometimes they are like i was doing things i wouldn't do if i hadn't been being followed around by cameras but within those moments was exactly how i would act in those moments like yeah i wouldn't have used one of my days off to go canoeing with my dad and you know forest park but that's a reality show trope where you go oh go to this workout class go go um you know babysit your nephew like they want you to do more interesting things than take a nap and you know yeah but you watch don't, tv you, don't... you can't watch tv or be on your phone really on a reality show <laughs> you don't interrupt your life i had to have four teeth pulled and uh, that's in, in the very front, too. So that's going to be part of the reality show. I hope yeah. not too much. They were psyched when I'm, they I'm heard that was happening. I'm toothless for five days during it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And wow. because I'm not like a, you know, an alcoholic or like, you know, uh, a really angry person, they're not getting a lot of um, outbursts and table flipping and throwing wine. So those moments where I was like, oh, your dad's having teeth removed. Like, thank God we have a, an episode arc, <laughs> you know, because I'm 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 interesting and I'm funny and I'm honest. But I'm not a mess. And that's the only reason I'm doing this show is because I'm not <laughs> I'm not capable of doing anything that I can't stand behind. Like there's nothing you're gonna catch me doing where I'm gonna go, that's so embarrassing because 
I just, I know who I am now, and I'm not, like, really ashamed of it. And the things that people do go, oh, my God, like, that you heard in that promo clip, I often forget poop bags for my dog. And instead of just leaving it there and being like, oh, get it later, which no one does, let's be honest with ourselves, <laughs> I will True. take mulch and cover it in mulch and then create a barrier of mulch around it that I can pick up the mulch and the... Dog poop is within the center, and it embarrasses my roommate when he witnesses it. But I'm like, this is less embarrassing than leaving it. And that's a thing that's like, yeah, it's embarrassing, but I don't care. I own that. I don't get poop on my hand. It's a safe way to do it, and it, no, there's no plastic bags. There's going to be a mysterious disappearance of mulch all around the city now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did note that down because I've been without a bag before. It's mortifying. It's you know? so embarrassing. And it you is. kind I've, of I've wait used around. leaves before. Yeah, you, you can use leaves, but those aren't that official if you t- completely douse it in mulch and make a big like thing of it or hay or something around. You can safely pick it up. And um, that's the kind of thing that I do on the show that other people are like, oh my God. But I'm like, I own it. I'm I'm not, you know, ashamed of it. So we've seen you, you know, as you mentioned, canoeing in Forest Park. Yeah. Uh, you went roller rollerblading at Steinberg yes. in Forest Park, shopping at Goodwill, yes. lunch in the Grove. Um, what other St. Louis locales are are we going to see this season? Yeah, we have a little river cabin out in the Eureka area, and uh, we filmed out there one day, so that'll be featured. The City Museum. City we Museum. Have a party there. Yeah, you can't. The miss Arch. The City I have Museum. a date there. Um, God, we're all over the place. I mean, we we I think we spent a little. We spent a couple one episode in Los Angeles. Um, because I was out there doing press and having like a big wild Los Angeles weekend. And Chicago. Then, um, there was one trip to Chicago for uh, my live show, my theater show, and then also Kansas City. But, you know, it's it's a St. Louis show. And it's so funny, Emily, like since I've been promoting this show, everyone who's like in show business, I'll do an interview with them about this show of me living in St. Louis. And then off air, they go, so where are you now? And I go, St. Louis. And they go, oh, that's real? They all think I made this up, and that because Who would no ever one moved there. No one, no, not that. It's just no just one trusts that anything on TV is actually real, even reality. And people who are in the know know that pretty much everything is fake. But I really was adamant about making this show reflective of how my real life is. If you watch it, like I look like. I look like hell a lot of times. Like I look like I just woke up. I look. I don't wear. If I if I was doing a scene where I wouldn't wear makeup, I didn't wear makeup. If I was, I didn't get new clothes. I didn't tidy my apartment. I wanted it to actually be a reflection of what my life is like. And my big goal in all of this was, um, I started. I think since I got a little bit more notoriety, I've been getting fans writing me young girls, girls even like my age being like, you're so perfect, like your legs and your hair and your skin and you're so confident. And the second that stuff started coming in, I'm like, no, 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 you don't get, that's not accurate. I get what you're doing because I did it to celebrities too, but there's another story here that I must share with you because do not compare yourself to me when I'm on TV because it is not reality. (laughs) There are many tricks of lighting and hours of hair and makeup and I spray paint my legs orange with Sally Hansen spray. (laughs) So I feel like this show is really a look at a celebrity's life where you're like, oh, whoa, she looks rough there. Like I look hungover constantly and I don't drink, but it's okay. I, you know, that's, I'm, I wasn't trying to be ugly. It's just sometimes I look not good. It's as far okay. as the way I look on camera, it's a little too real. They, I like, pull yeah. the cameras back, please. That's what I everyone says. In on not me. about you, but everyone that's on this show, this is, this is the unique thing about this reality show as well. No one on it except me and my roommate, Andrew Collin, 
want to be on this show. No one else. <laughs> it's rare for a reality show where everyone on it doesn't want to be on it. Everyone has a motive of getting famous on any reality show you watch, except mine. They were all <laughs> kind of like, they had, I had to twist their arm to, to do it. And there's something, uh, you know, refreshing about that. Oh, absolutely. Although your mom and your wife, Julie, she is a natural. natural. Like, I know the show is we about you, be. Nikki, but no, like. No, I step. I, I knew that she was a star and I feel I, I get, I'm very flattered when people say she's the star of the show because that was my intent. I mean, my, my mom and dad, my dad hasn't been able to shine yet because he had COVID for the second episode, so he was <laughs> missing from it. But they, I was, you know, living with them for 10 months and putting them on my Instagram and realizing they're gold. I don't even have to give them a prompt. I just put my camera on them and go and ask them a question. And it's funny, whatever they say. I have to, like, try to be funny. They don't. It's actually annoying. <laughs> so they're, they're amazing. My, I love how much people have loved them on the show. You mentioned in the show, Nikki, that it's. It's weird to perform stand-up in St. Louis, your hometown, yeah. um, especially if your parents come. And you said, lucky for you, your your dad, EJ, actually got COVID yeah, for your he performance. Missed my so big he missed factory it. show. Mm-hmm. So um, no hearing about Nikki's sex life on stage yes. that day. But, that day. But, you know, I mean, y- and you mentioned that because you're opening up about personal things yeah. and you don't want to see someone at the grocery store and have them know that about you. Yes. What is it like now? Because, I mean, Welcome Home Nikki Glazer is showcasing your life in a city that often feels like a small town but it's also now you know global streaming yes what is it like to have that vulnerability you know there's something about the show that is not as uh, you know there there are definitely aspects of the show sexually where I get into things that I am just cringing watching you know that we had a watch party the other night and I'm just like I'm never in the audience when I say these things. I'm always on stage. The lights are bright. I can't see the audience. I might know my parents are there or know people I know are there, but I'm never sitting next to them witnessing it. It was very uncomfortable. And I just feel like I'm not... All I'm trying to do with my act, whether it's lewd or crude or however you want to... Back alley humor, whatever you want to describe it as, it is me... Not trying to, um, I'm not trying to offend anyone. I think a lot of people think that comedians are always trying to offend. I'm just trying to be talk about things that I think everyone should be talking about because it's what we're all thinking about. I'm just trying to tell the truth, and it's I hate when people are offended or people are uncomfortable. That's why I didn't go to a viewing party with my with my partner's family because I'm like I did it with my family. I cannot sit next to your family watching that. I just can't do it. Have fun, but like I can't, and. Um, no, it's definitely made me go, okay, in the future, maybe I don't say certain things, but I just always say I'm, it would be, it would be, um, I don't know, it would feel, I wouldn't have integrity as an artist if I pulled back just because my dad might see it. I think that I always give the example of Cardi B, like if we went to go see her in concert or because her dad was alive, she couldn't put out the song WAP. For me, WAP was like, an anthem and I really appreciated it. It's filthy. But what if she was like, I can't do that till my dad's not on this earth anymore. Like, we would miss out on so much art. It's my dad. It's my dad's decision to listen. If he wants to listen, he knows that risk. It's it's not... I have responsibility to protect them in, in terms of what I say about them. But if I say something about myself, it's their choice whether they listen. And I, although it's awkward, I just have to say, sorry, 
I yeah, mean, don't I, listen. If Earmuffs. I can give an example of that. When Nikki did her Netflix special out in L.A., we, we flew out for the – Nikki brought us out for the show. And she did two shows because they, they, they used two shows to get the special together. And I sat there with a buddy of mine and watched the first show, and, and I loved it. But uh, I, I said, you know, we were supposed to sit through the second show. I said, I can't sit through the second show. I need a drink. Please. I know. Dad always <laughs> says that people come up to him after my shows and go, are you all right, man? Like, he's attending my funeral. Like, do you need support? I'll be, yeah, I'll be back, in the to back go, by sorry, tomorrow man. with a casserole. Sorry you're doing this. Yeah. No, but I, I love it. I love what she does. I love the, I love how honest she is. You know, to me, I, I would have to pull some punches, but uh, I admire that about Nikki. I always, I've always told her that. Yeah. that's It's nice. It's nice to have... To be able to do that and know that my parents still love me and support me. But I, I understand them having, like, boundaries of, like, I can't listen to that. I'm not, like, hurt if they don't want to listen. If anything, I'm like, please. I had a show at the Ryman a couple of weeks ago. And it wasn't my best show because my the, my partner was there. My family was there. I was in my head the entire time. And I haven't told wow. you this yet, Dad. I can't have you at shows anymore. It's like I, <laughs> I cannot juggle taking care of everyone's feelings for... For the show. Like, I couldn't focus. I wasn't present. I was just, like, trying to make them laugh, but also not make them uncomfortable. I'm oh, developing more empathy along the way as I age, and I try to, and I, it's just, I want my performances to be, a, I, my fans, I talk to more, like, the way you, like, you listen to my podcast, I'm like, like, I look at my podcast listeners as my best friends. I would not talk to my best friends about the same things I talk to my parents about. Just because it's public does not mean my parents should listen to it. I, agree. I sometimes have to say, my parents hate when I compare myself. I compare myself to a porn star. Like I like I. You wouldn't want your parents watching what you do, but it doesn't negate the fact that you have been successful in this thing <laughs> that a lot of people do enjoy. But it's not for everyone. Absolutely. You love well, my porn. <laughs> it's like verbal porn but i'm not verbal trying to titillate i'm just trying to be honest yes yes i am a listener of the nikki glazer podcast we should mention that is available on weekdays wherever yes. you stream your podcasts you know and, and nikki i wonder you know you talk about your parents attending your shows what is it like to live in this city where you know not only are you famous from your comedy but now you have a show is is that weird to have people kind of, you know, knowing the building you live in? I mean, yeah. for instance, I in episode, was it two of the series, Welcome Home, Nikki Glazer, your parents get swatted yes. while you're performing. Yeah, so someone police called show the, the cops saying that I was there with drugs and guns and just this thing so that the so that their plan was for the cops to, like, show up and break down my parents' door and, like, terrorize them under the assumption that I was there with guns. I wasn't there. I was performing in Chesterfield at the factory. It was this big... My dad wasn't even there. My mom was there alone. It was very scary. Um, I... I do have fears about uh, my safety and people feeling like they know me too much and um, people who are mentally unwell thinking they have a connection with me that they don't just by virtue of doing podcasts. You feel very connected to people when they're in your ear talking to you every day for hours and you some people that aren't on meds and don't have help start to think delusionally and can hurt you. But I just... Um, I can't live in fear. I just like, I may be a little bit in denial of it, but I, you know, I take precautions, but it is, it is weird. But I will say that I, I think now I'll probably get recognized more because on the show, I look, I don't have makeup on a lot, but generally <laughs> I look so different than I do on these like really dolled up appearances that you'd normally see me on that when people do recognize me, I'm almost offended. I'm like, I don't look like this. And but now I think with the reality show, it's, 
I, I'm, I'm, I've outed myself as for my bare face. You know, it's weird for the swatting episode. Um, people probably thought because Nikki was performing in the city that they assumed my wife and I would be, Julie and I would be at the show. So I think they wanted the cops to just beat the door down. I think that was their goal. Oh, right. To have them, because I had COVID, so I was at Saved by the COVID. (laughs) And Julie was home, because she was quarantining, because she was exposed, and she didn't ever get it. But anyway, so that was uh, how that unfolded. Yeah, we've since then, we've taken security measures to, you know, prevent that kind of thing. But... You know, it's there's really nothing you can do. Everything is out there for people to find. And I just can't become super paranoid. I don't want to own I don't you know, I have mace and everything and uh, trying to learn how to protect myself more. I'm already a paranoid person. Pretty good about not being alone a lot of times. But it's still, you know, it's still a concern. Um, But if they're going to get me, they're going to get me is my my theory. (laughs) Like, I just don't think me. You know, having there's just I just assume like I do meet and greets. I'm literally a comedian who puts the time I'm going to be on stage on like there's there's metal detectors at some shows. But like I can't if I was actually scared, I would just stop performing because what what am I going to do? I mean, I'm scared of people assaulting me on stage now. That's a new fear. Yeah. Yeah, but with Dave, Dave Chappelle on Tuesday. I know, I know. Yeah. You knew it was going to happen after the Will Smith thing. You just yeah. knew. That I'm surprised was... it hasn't happened more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just tell people at my shows, just leave. And then write me on a DM about why I offended you. And I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll change. I'll actually listen to you. Like, I don't mind if you're offended by what I say. Because I do get things wrong sometimes. And I will hurt people's feelings unintentionally. That's never my, it's never my goal. So please just let me know if I get something wrong. Like, I'm... I'm not like a doctor. I'm not. I didn't go to school for this. I'm just a dumb girl who like went to comedy clubs thousands of times and learned this skill. Like I talk into a microphone, like I'm giving a TED talk, but I have no ma- degrees that can. Like I will be. Yes, you do have a degree. Well, I have a degree. <laughs> okay, but it's not. I in, paid for that degree. Yes, that's a good point. <laughs> I don't want to dismiss my uh, bachelor's in English from KU, but we should dismiss it because I got through based on Spark Notes for that whole uh, degree, but. Yeah, I just feel like I'm a comedian who is willing to be wrong and ha- and and apologize. So please don't punch me. I will tell you I'm sorry after us after you just DM me your feelings. <laughs> that is producer Emily Woodbury talking with Nikki and EJ Glazer about the new reality show Welcome Home, Nikki Glazer. It airs on Sunday nights at 10. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back to listen to more of this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. Welcome back. 
Yesterday, our producer Emily Woodbury sat down with comedian Nikki Glazer and her dad, E.J. Glazer, to talk about their experience working on a new reality show about Nikki's return to St. Louis. Welcome Home, Nikki Glazer documents Nikki's experiences reconnecting with old friends, doing comedy in her hometown, and her upcoming musical endeavors. In the past 12 years, you may have seen EJ perform in town with his band, Glaze and the Moon Kings. And I have to say, part of the reason we invited you both here today, um, you're both on the show, Welcome Home, Nikki Glazer, but it seems like music runs in the family. You know, EJ, you were a professional musician until 27, and then you got back into it around 2010. Is that right? Very good, yeah. You know, um, I played for a living back in we, – we lived in Cincinnati before moving to St. Louis, and I played for a living. But I, I never had the confidence like Nikki has in her career. I, never, I, I knew I was pretty good, but I just didn't have the confidence to think I could make a, a good living doing it. So I got a real job, and I got in the cable television business. That's how I ended up in St. Louis working with Charter Communications. And uh, I was involved with uh, doing promos for the Sheldon Theater right across the street here. And uh, – they had a, an opportunity. The, one of the directors there said, hey, we're going to do a concert series called Musicians with Real Jobs. <laughs> and so, so I was a musician with a real job because I kept my chops up over the years. So I got to perform there. And uh, we did, it was a dream of mine to perform at the Sheldon. And uh, after I performed there, I started getting calls to do gigs. And I just played by myself uh, like a 20-minute set along with some other folks in town. And so then I started performing and put a band together and started getting gigs. And uh, I've been doing it, I guess, since around 2001. I've been playing around St. Louis and not not totally involved in the music scene, but kind of uh, doing it in my neighborhood. And, you know, we play at various venues, but um, I guess I, I play pretty much all over town. But um, I have a, a, a band with a guy named Dave Moon and a guy named Jim King. And so we call it the Moon Kings and Glaze and the Moon Kings. We all get equal billing. <laughs> and now, Nikki, you are taking – last time we had you on the show, you were telling us that you're taking singing lessons with yeah. a woman in town. And, yes. You know, you've been active on Instagram, doing Instagram live performances. <laughs> what sparked this for you? You said on your show that you – I've always wanted to be a singer-songwriter, yeah. but you're just starting to really work towards it now. Yeah, it was um it was always something that I I've always loved music more than um I a lot of my friends. I've always had like a really intense appreciation and love of music. It's always like helped me process my feelings and it's always just been something that's always been there for me, but it's always felt like I just couldn't do it because it wasn't something that really came naturally to me. I um I sang in high school in the choir and a cappella. Kirkwood, but I was always just not, I wasn't great at it. And I just felt I was under the assumption that if you're not great at something right away, you just like don't have it because I didn't realize that talent is mostly hard work. But I just saw people around me seem like out of nowhere, just have, be good. And I got feedback from a really mean vocal teacher in town. You're still out there. I really hate you. Um, <laughs> that I was taking lessons and she told my mom, like, she doesn't have it like this is a waste of your money and when I heard that it was just like okay shutting this down like no more of this and so and then playing guitar was just you know anyone who has a parent that's really good at something when you pick up the thing that they do they try to teach you and it's just it's not easy like I I know a lot of people whose parents do are famous people and they resist the thing that their parent does, even though they might have the same desire to do it because you just, you compare yourself. I'm a big compare, compare and despair person. So seeing my dad play and hearing my buzzy chords when I would try to pick up a guitar when I was little, like I just was just like, well, 
I just either need to be naturally talented or I'm not going to do it. And then during the pandemic is when I comedy was taken from me, you know, overnight. And there were a lot of guitars laying around in my parents' house. And then Taylor Swift's album Folklore came out, which was very like acoustic, heavy, just like, you know, bare bones. And I think it was just one song that I was like, God, I'm just like dying to like sing this song. Like, I just want to like be able to perform it. So I think I just picked up a guitar and learned some chords and then. Um, I think now at the age of 37, I'm like, oh, I'm allowed to be bad at something and that I really do understand how long it takes to get good at something. So I was like, let me just devote all my time to doing this. And then so now I'm re I can, you know, play. And I always tell people whenever I'm traveling with my guitar, people are always like, oh, you 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 singer. What do you play? And I'm like, I play guitar really badly, but it's just a hobby I bring with me on the road. And they're like, oh. You know, I'm 45. I always wanted to play. And I'm like, it takes two years, like two years. And you can play literally any song you want. I tell people the same thing. I'm so proud of you for doing it later in life. But you you took lessons in seventh, eighth grade, just but you never really focused on it. Yeah, because I don't like scales. I don't want to learn like music theory. And I think that for me, I just wanted to play some songs so that I could feel my feelings because I just comedy doesn't let you feel your feelings. Everything you say, it might be like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling sad about this thing. And then the second you're vulnerable, you go, I'm just kidding. You take it away. But music, it's like, it's all emotions. It's very awkward. It's very uncomfortable. It's the opposite of comedy for me. It's so sincere. And that is why I'm actually kind of resistant to actually writing real songs. Because as a comedian, you can't do anything that might make you look too sincere or ridiculous. You have to be in control all the time. And if you look ridiculous, it's because you wanted to. And it's on. And that's why, I mean, I got trashed by a bunch of comedians after I. Um, put out this song dedicated to my friend Bob Saget, who had died right when I was recording some songs just for fun. Was not planning on, you know, putting out anything. But then he died, and I felt like the song was good, and I put it out just as, like, a gift to him to put in the universe. And I got trashed by comedians being like, who does she think she is? Oh, my God, she thinks she's so sweet. Making fun, because it was a serious song. It wasn't, like, you know, a a jokey song. Howard Stern played it, and he was like, I kept listening to it, waiting for the part where it's going to be funny, and it was never funny. Yeah, mm. what is and, Nikki doing? But you, can, but you, <laughs> he didn't you trash get, you. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, he. It was. I was got trashed, but I knew I was going to because comedians are so insecure; they cannot put themselves out there in any kind of way. They're always. It, 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 I realized this with the first pitch I threw at the Cardinals game. It was. It was off. I wasn't proud of it. I'm not a pitcher. I'm not. A, I'm not sporty. <laughs> That's why I do comedy. So everyone's like, ah, "I wasn't that good." I'm like, "What did you expect?" And then I go. <laughs> Why aren't there like more famous people's first pitches that I can see? Why isn't Jerry Seinfeld throwing a first pitch? What about Dave Chappelle? What about literally any comedian? And you know why? Because they're, of course, they've been asked. They don't do it because they might look dumb and it's not on their terms. No comedians like to look stupid. They are so insecure. <laughs> and so I am actually proud of myself and I fight that urge to like look cool all the time. And to actually put myself in situations, Dancing with the Stars, American Ninja Warrior Celebrity Edition, uh, <laughs> you know, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Celebrity Edition, things where I'm like, this is not my forte. I might look stupid, and I'm taking this seriously, and I do. I get voted off first. I'm the worst on Ninja. Uh, I was it, humiliating things, but I'm still alive. It's and when you really when you get voted off Dancing with the Stars first, or you throw a bad first pitch, and everyone makes fun of you, you realize. Well, then there's nothing to be scared of because this is my worst nightmare is embarrassing myself in front of America and having ABC kick me off immediately. Then what is there to, <laughs> then what is there to be scared of if, if that didn't kill me? So, Absolutely. yeah. 
Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the pitch because <laughs> yeah. a week ago, you it was Nikki Glaser Day. The yes. mayor declared this Nikki Glaser Day, yes. April 28th in the city of St. Louis. You threw the first pitch at the <laughs> yeah. Cardinals game. We're, we're, we're going to celebrate that every year now, right? No, From, yeah. I think it's <laughs> yeah. a one-year thing, but <laughs> oh, I found that it. out the hard way. Yeah, But now you have a key to Ballpark Village? Yeah, I okay, do. Okay, what do you get with that? I'm just going to break into, um, uh, what's his name? What's the guy's locker that has long hair? Uh, the baseball player. This is how little I know. He lives in my building too. Yeah, Bader. I'm getting you know, with the key. I'm just gonna break into Harrison Bader's locker and steal his scrunchies. No, I think with the, key, with the key, the key with twelve dollars gets you a beer. At yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just. A, it was a great honor. You know, it was obviously something that um, the city said yes to. But you know, E. It was part of E's promotional. Uh, you know, plan for the show, which they killed it in every way for the show. It's everywhere. It's almost obnoxiously everywhere. <laughs> and so um, it was just a huge honor to have everyone so involved and so excited about it. And um, But I do want to be clear. I did not ask for that. I am not someone who wants a Nikki Glaser day. I. It's hard to turn down a Nikki Glaser day. I wanted it. But I, it was more... You're going to celebrate yeah, it, you say. It was, it was a little bit embarrassing to be that much. Like, I, I'm already, like... You know, I have my own show with my name. I have a podcast with my name. I was like, oh, God, people are just going to think I'm the biggest narcissist. But, um, yeah, it was it was actually a really fun day. Well, EJ, you're back to the music. Uh, your Instagram blew up after performing with Nikki at McKnight Place Senior Living during the pandemic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you see yourself? following Nikki's lead now? Uh, so Nikki's following your lead by playing guitar and singing. Are you going to be performing more on social media? Are we going to see more? You know, Nikki always tells me, go on Instagram Live. And I guess I'm just not that, I just feel like, I'm, but I should start doing it because it's fun. Yeah, whenever, I do it and I'm bad. Whenever and- Nikki puts me on there, her fans usually like it. And when I was at the Ryman, Nikki has a meet and greet and one of the one of the one of her fans came up with a Nikki Glazer poster and said, could you sign this for me? And I'm like, are you kidding me? And he goes, do you want Nikki's autograph? And he goes, no, just yours. It was like, she goes, her name's you already on it. You're such a great guitar player. I'm like, that. come on. You've just seen me play. Yeah. So anyway, it was totally. Well, I always go live on my Instagram because I am too embarrassed to play guitar. Like people, I go live on my um, Nikki Glazer pod is the, the, the name of the Instagram account I go live on because it's people who listen to my podcast who are very sweet and supportive. If I went live on my own, I would get trashed. People would go, be funny. What is this? But it's essentially <laughs> me practicing performing music live and it's so rewarding it's my fa- it literally is my favorite thing to do and you should absolutely do it's it it's cool i will do it It'll yeah be fun. it's so fun and if three people are listening what the hell it's yeah better. mine's sometimes a couple people but it's like they still are there watching <laughs> something you i have to have an audience to practice for some reason i just need i need accountability if i'm ever working on something i need to go to a starbucks so there are people around my add does not let me like practice in a vacuum i need performance to like be myself i need someone there to like witness it and so it's instagram live has been amazing for me you know it was funny during the pandemic i performed at highway 61 roadhouse outside and uh, they they, i was doing it just for tips because they didn't know how many people were going to show up and so nikki was said you should have a venmo you know sign to let people venmo you from a distance and so i was playing and she put me on instagram live and and my other daughter lauren she was making a sign for the Venmo thing, and her fans saw the Venmo. And within three minutes, I had hundreds of dollars in my Venmo account. Yeah, so, yeah. that's how it works, baby. I was amazed. Yeah. <laughs> 
Are we going to see you both perform on Welcome Home, Nikki Glaser? Yes. Do you both think, play on so. the show? We did. A, Nikki did her podcast live at Joe's Cafe, which is the coolest venue in St. Louis, oh my by God, the way. It's so cool. For anybody. They're open two Thursdays a month. And if you want to see live music in St. Louis and actually hear it, Joe's Cafe, you're not allowed to talk until the intermission. So it's, it's the best place. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, we, so we did a couple songs there. and. Uh, yeah. And, and whenever he performs, I usually show up if I'm in town and like he lets me do a couple songs with him. It's just, you know, it's I'm used to performing and I love performing. But then, you know, I'm 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 going to start maybe going to open mics for music and things like that, because it's just, you know, I've only done comedy because I was scared to do music like every every comedian wants to be a musician. Every musician wants to be a comedian. However, we really let musicians get away with doing comedy in between their songs. You know, they say anything and we all die laughing. Cause we so s- true. They can just be, you know, Dave Matthews goes, it smells pretty good out there tonight. And we're like, he smells weed. He's kind of referencing weed. And we're like, oh my God, he's hilarious. Yet if I try to sing a song in between my jokes, everyone's like, what is this? Stop. Be funny. This isn't your forte. But when Glaze and the Moon Kings perform, when Nikki's in town, she usually comes up and does a couple songs. Yeah, it's She's fun. at Highway 61 Roadhouse and Joe's Cafe. Yeah, I love it. So. It's my favorite thing. But it is, like, it's embarrassing because I, with comedy, you go, you tell a joke, and immediately you know whether or not you were good. You get a laugh. And then if you don't get a laugh, you change You change to something else. Like, you are constantly getting validation if this is good or not. With music, you do four minutes where you're like, I don't know. And then at the end, they all applaud whether you did well or not. Like, it's really, like... It's so weird. You don't know if you're good ever. And people, it, I, I just need validation more. It's just very vulnerable. Music is a totally different beast. It's a very intimidating. Shout out to every musician out there. I don't know how you do it. Well, you, you play bars, nobody listens anyway. So. <laughs> I know. I'm used to people getting tossed out of a room if they talk. My dad performs in places where people are shouting over him and, and slightly annoyed that there happens to be music playing next to them, that they chose it's to so be there. True. It's so It's so weird. They listen every once in a while. Yeah. So we may hear you at some open mics in town. For yeah. fans listening, are, do you encourage them to come see you? Yeah, I mean, I'll probably put it out there um, if, if I start doing it. There was a part of me that wanted to do it in, like, disguise. I just don't want any – I don't want people showing up expecting anything except me being bad at music. Because when I started comedy, I was bad at open mics. Like, I was not – there was times where I had, like, little, like – hits of like being good where it was like okay i got something here but i was mostly really bad you are bad in the beginning there's no reason i should be good at singing and songwriting and i think that anyone coming out to see me i just don't want anyone to show up being like this wasn't funny at all because it's not it's gonna be awkward um and i kind of wish that i just could perform i'm thinking about creating like a stage name or something so i can start without anyone just giving me the benefit of the doubt because i'm have a name for myself. I just well, want to do Nikki it naturally. There's a few other original songs in the can right now, so uh, you know, I don't know what you're going to do with them. But. Yeah, I don't know either. I just write <laughs> songs and then I never look at them again because they're so humiliating and just like they're just like journal entries. I don't know how people write songs. They're so like, it's just so men like hate emotions. You know, they like won't go to therapy and stuff, but yet they can be like, I loved her in the moonlight, and you're just like, why is this? acceptable when you moan it and we all love it but then like if you guys cry we like you know uh make you feel I bad really about did it. love her in the moonlight you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so vulnerable well nikki ej i want to thank you both so much for coming in today thank you emily oh, it's been a blast emily that was producer Emily Woodbury talking with Nikki and EJ Glazer. The new reality show featuring both of them is called Welcome Home, Nikki Glazer. It airs on E! at 10 p.m. Sundays. It's also available to stream on the NBC website and the NBC app. 
episode was produced by Emily Woodbury and Jane Mather Glass with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.